Hello and a warm welcome to Living Fabulously with Bev. The mission for the show is to get to the heart of well-being through inspirational stories of everyday people, expert insights from a number of health and lifestyle-related disciplines, and exploration of topics that underpin well-being. If you want to take control of your well-being and put yourself front and center in your life, then this is the podcast for you. I want you to feel calm, nurtured, and inspired so you can enjoy your life and your success. If you have not yet done so, please subscribe, rate and review on iTunes or Stitcher. And if you know someone else that would get value from the show as well, please share it with them. Join me on this journey and let's live the fab life together. Hello and welcome. It's Bear from Living Fabulously and today my guest is Dr. Terry Mack. And Terry is a clinical psychologist, but she also has a passion for blogging. So welcome to you, Terry. Thank you so much. I'm happy to be here. And Terry, just introducing you as a clinical psychologist doesn't say much. So why don't you tell us about yourself, your business, and what it is that you do? Sure. Um, Well, I am in Chicago, Illinois, and I've been a clinical psychologist for more than 15 years. I have a private practice. I work with adults and couples. Um, And primarily what I'm doing these days is what I guess what I'm passionate about is really helping people understand what gets in their way from having the life that they want. Um, And that's a lot of what we're going to be talking about here today, but helping people identify how they even might be getting in their own way um, and what to do about that. So, you know, I've, I've moved into the speaking world and I'm writing a book currently So I'm just trying to find ways to speak to larger audiences rather than just one-on-one in my office. Even though I love that work, um, I want to help more people. That's brilliant. Yes, I think for all of us who are some form of healing, we really do want to make a big difference, you know, so I understand where you're coming from. And let's talk about your journey, you know. So how did you get to this place in life? Hmm, It's a big question. So, you know, my life has been a long path to self-love and kind of a waking up and um, self-awareness. And more recently, I would say over the last three or four years, I've had this pull, like this feeling that there was something different that I should be doing or more that I should be doing. And like I said, I love working individually with clients, but I just couldn't get rid of this feeling that there was something else I was supposed to be doing. So one day I was talking to a friend about it and she said, well, maybe you should start a blog. And I don't read blogs. I hadn't read blogs up to that point, I should say. And I didn't really even know what that meant, but I'm like, okay, I'll look into that. So last year I started a blog called The Path of Joy. And what I write about is really all the themes that I talk about with my clients and all the themes that I've discovered in my own life, things like self-love and, you know, pushing fear out of the way and becoming our best selves and giving love, being love, how to be, how to communicate in our relationships, all kinds of stuff. And so that's really blossomed into all the other stuff that I've started to do. And it's really exciting. That's amazing. And when you, when you were choosing your subjects, what made you choose clinical psychology? Um, you mean way back when I decided to go yeah, way back. It's a great question. Mm. I think in my family, I was kind of the helper. Um, that was kind of my role in the family. And I'm 
very sensitive and intuitive and emotional person. So I'm grateful that I ended up in that field that I kind of knew that early on that that's what I wanted to do because a lot of people aren't that fortunate. But I think that's how I ended up there. Mm, That's so interesting because you always wonder, I mean, for myself, my career exiting college is nothing to do with what I'm actually no, maybe has sort of come full circle in some ways Mm -hmm. to do what I'm doing now because I was in the medical field and I left that to pursue commercial options and now here I am in the medical sort of paramedical field right but in a very different (laughs) role probably different completely different role but I've always been teacher like you're saying is that you find that space and you actually grow and blossom into it. So that's Mm -hmm. amazing. I love that alignment. Yeah. Terry, we're talking today about things like, you know, how can we be our best selves? So why do we often choose to stay in our comfort zone then? Well, because it's comfortable. (laughs) You know, (laughs) it's like we do what we know. And it's kind of what we're taught. Like a lot of people, most people, I would say, choose security over happiness and they don't even do it consciously. It's just kind of how our society is built. Um, We're not taught that leaning into fear or um, following our joy are things to be considered. So, you know, it's very easy to stay where we're comfortable, where we feel safe. It's what we learn to do as children. And so it's what we continue to do as adults. A lot of times we want to know like what an outcome is going to be before we're willing to take a step in that direction. And even though none of life works that way, um, it's especially scary when we're, we're, taking a, we're taking steps that we haven't taken before or we're trying to change a behavior that's new to us. So much of what we do is unconscious. We just keep doing the same things out of habit. A lot of us kind of just go through the motions every day. We're not conscious about the things we're choosing. So that's that just kind of keeps us stuck where we're at. Um, once we be- begin to become conscious about how we might want things to be different, that's when when other things can start to happen. Does that make sense? Yes. Uh, being a change specialist myself, you need a very strong why. Yeah. You need a very strong desire to create the momentum for the change because the status quo, like you say, is, is what we know and it does keep us mm-hmm. safe. When we're thinking of things like our health or something like that, what I find so interesting though is that even though we know we don't feel great, we don't feel happy, we're sort of in this place of stuckness rather than growth in any form. Right. So how do we move from that place of stuckness into growth? Well, I think the first step is to begin to get in touch with what it is you really want. How is it that you really want to feel? You know, if you allowed yourself to dream, what could be different? So that is really the first step. And sometimes that's the part that gets in people's way because it's really scary even to open ourselves up to the possibility that we might want something different. Once we and sometimes it takes a while to, to go within and get quiet and, you know, find, let the answers come to the surface. Sometimes the, the answers are right there waiting for us just to, to listen. And, and so it, it's not a long process. But after we get clear on what we want, and like you said, why we want it, why is this what we want? How, how could this change our life? Then we begin to 
we can begin to visualize where we want to be. So we picture ourselves, you know, in the healthy lifestyle that we want to be in or in the the relationship that we want to be in. And we feel into that. How do we want to feel? How is it going to feel to be there? What does our life look like? What do we wake up and do every day? And, you know, there's research that visualization actually mirrors the physiology of, of action. So Olympic athletes will often visualize themselves in their sports and they're hooked up to um, biofeedback equipment and their physiology is almost the same as when they're actually doing the sport, which is incredible. So that's a big part is visualizing where you want to be. That's actually helping you move there already. And the biggest thing is to lean into discomfort, to know that you're not going to feel comfortable, you're not going to feel safe, you're not going to feel in control, but that you can trust yourself to know when you can take the risk, when you can lean away from fear, because fear is really what keeps us stuck. So that is how we move toward growth. You know, so let's say I've, I've got this awareness and I've made, I've started to make that decision around yes, I do want to make the change, but obviously there's going to be obstacles that come up, you know, in, in our path. And I guess for the faint-hearted, it might be easier to go back mm-hmm. to base, <laughs> so to mm-hmm. speak, <laughs> you know. So I guess the other thing I hear a lot from people, especially in my space as a, a, a integrative health coach, is that people talk about the ways that they actually sabotage their own efforts. Mm-hmm. So, for example, if somebody's decided that they're choosing to go free of some type of food that's been causing them havoc, so it may have been causing them, you know, headaches or stomach pain or whatever it is, and yet they find themselves in a situation, perhaps it's out being social or whatever it is, where they are making choices that are counter to what they have decided to do. So, what are the common ways that we self-sabotage even when we've decided that we want to change? Oh my gosh, right. And oftentimes we self-sabotage when we start to change, when we're doing really well or we've really leaned in and are making some progress. That is the most vulnerable time for us to self-sabotage. Um, and some of the common ways are self-doubt. So we, you know, we're making some progress and then there's a voice in our head that we all have. We think it's us, but what it really is, is our ego. It's, it's that voice that does not want you to grow. It doesn't want you to change. It doesn't want you to transform. It wants you to stay exactly as small and stuck as you might be in the moment. Because if you grow and transform and evolve, the ego is obliterated. So I just want people to be clear that when you hear that self-critical voice in your head that says, what do you, I mean, who do you think you are, you know, or this isn't going to last very long or what you've lost 10 pounds or, you know, big deal. All those thoughts that create self-doubt are, is the ego. And so when you hear that, um, we'll talk about what you can do about that, but that's a really common thing is the self-doubt. Um, the ego can also tell us things that make us feel like we are imposters, like we're trying to be something that we can never be, you know? So you've probably heard of the imposter syndrome. Like, why do you think you're so great? Or why do you think you can do this? So that's a really common one. 
Another one is, you know, when we start to change, there are going to be stumbles. There are going to be obstacles. That's just how change happens. It's very small baby steps and it's overcoming obstacles that get placed in our path. A way we self-sabotage is when we come up against one of those obstacles, we turn around and run. We say, oh, this is a sign. It's never going to work. And we give up. But, you know, what I think is like the universe is asking us, do you want this? Are you willing to put in the work? And every time we keep going and we find a way around the obstacle, we get rewarded. We are further along on the path and we've, we've put our intention out there like, I want this. You know, I'm going to keep going no matter what. So those are very common ways that we can get stopped. So that's almost like a test, isn't it? Is it a? It is a test. I can think of some reasons why we're in certain parts of our lives where we go, oh, this feels too hard. Yes. You know, and then we back off. And and what you're saying is that it's just to check, is this what you really want? Yes. Yes. It's like once you identify what you want, the universe gets to work on your behalf. And it's like, all right, awesome. And it starts connecting all these dots for you. But it also is going to send along some, some opportunities for you to really like, put your money where your mouth is, right? So to, to show the universe, yes, I want this. And eventually those tests will stop happening once you've kind of passed each one. But yeah, a lot of times people don't know those are coming. And so they, uh, they, they think, well, this isn't going to work. I heard a story, I read it in a book a month ago about a woman who changed careers. She left her corporate job to open up a bakery. And two months into it, when she was about ready to open, the whole bakery burned down and she lost everything. Which, I mean, most people would probably, you know, think twice about investing more money, but she did and she's a wild success now. So that was like a very big test that she had to overcome. And we'll get a lot of small ones along the way. Mm, Because what I sort of see in my work is that, for example, let's just use a real example. Somebody's decided they are going to go sugar-free. Mm-hmm. And so they do all the hard work at home, you know, they sort of do the cleanse of the cupboard, making sure there's nothing there. They, they're really sort of taking care of themselves and cooking. And then mm-hmm. a family birthday or a friend's birthday comes up and mm-hmm. it's like they have never actually been sugar-free and they go into a sugar frenzy. So right. I guess that sort of type of self-sabotage, you need a strategy, don't you, Terry, before you head into that? Yes, definitely. Um, Do you want some strategies? Yeah, what's the strategies? Yeah, I'm just thinking, you know, what are some of the strategies and how can we get out of our own way then? Yes. So remind yourself that you're not going to be perfect. Perfection does not exist, Right. So in the case that you mentioned, yes, there may be a day where you make a choice and eat sugar, but that doesn't mean that all the progress you've made before didn't happen. And you can make another conscious choice to start again tomorrow. So starting out to be realistic, change is a very gradual process. It's not a linear process. You know, it goes more like this, up, down, up, down, up, down. And over time, it will be more consistent in the positive direction. But in the beginning, don't expect it to be that way. And so be gentle on yourself. um, Have realistic expectations. Um, I think that's really important. Don't beat yourself up. Exactly. When it was obviously the holiday season coming up, the work I was doing with a number of my 
clients was to create some strategies, get get prepared because it's going to put you off course. Mm-hmm. But it's, a, it's about all the choices you make leading up to the event. So, for example, don't arrive starving. Right. Offer to take a, a dish and, and preferably a dessert because then at least you know it won't be laden with things that you're not planning to eat. And if mm-hmm. you can't do any of those, then whatever you choose to do, savor it. And then mm-hmm. leave, when you step up from that uh, dinner table or that lunch table, leave it behind and carry on where you were. You right. know, so sort of right. I, think, I think that's the thing is that we, we do need strategies because life happens. <laughs> yes, exactly. And I think, you know, being very careful about who you um, talk about your, your change with or, you know, the, the things that you're trying to do, because some people are going to be supportive. Some people may have their own fear about it and they may not be able to be supportive. So be careful about who you share this new thing that you're introducing into your life with and surround yourself with people that can be supportive and wholly there for you. Mm. Because those are the people you want to turn to if you're having a bad day or you're feeling fearful or doubtful. Yes, because a lot of people mentioned that in fact, it was their families that weren't yeah. supportive, which I yeah. find so fascinating. Can you share really? any insights on that one? Oh, yeah. I mean, our fam- we have a certain role in our families. Things work the way they work. And when we decide to change in any way, a lot of times it can trigger fears and mostly fears in our family members. Even if it comes out as anger or sadness or something else, they- people don't want us to change because they don't know how that works. It's kind of the same stuff we're talking about. They want you in your role, doing what you've always done, because it, it makes them think, well, maybe I have to change, or I don't know what to expect now. It's, it's putting them out of their comfort zone. And you have to decide, that's okay. I'm not going to let other people's fears or judgments stop me from growing, stop me from moving toward what I want. It's so true, you know, that role, that mantle you took on in your family. Mm-hmm. Uh, for example, I know my mantle was the strong one. Mm-hmm. And so it actually, um, although I am very in touch with my emotions, I was not vulnerable because of that, because yeah. I was expected to be the strong one. So I can imagine with any change in your life when you decide that's enough for me, I'm moving and I'm taking a different path. Mm-hmm. And you know, then then it is what the other members of the family have expected from you. So it's mm-hmm. their their comfort zone is being disrupted. So exactly, great, right? And that's theirs to work on, <laughs> not yours. Theirs to work on, exactly, exactly. And um, Terry, can you recommend an action that listeners could take that would support them? Yes, I would say having a mantra or two that you can um, turn to when you're when you need it is really helpful. And a really good way to come up with a mantra, there's two ways. One is to think about when you go to your best friend or a supportive person in your life, what do you want them to tell you? Or what would you tell a friend that would be supportive and comforting and nurturing? So let's say with the sugar-free example, maybe you would want somebody to tell you like, it's okay. You don't have to be perfect. Just keep trying your best. So maybe that's your mantra. I don't have to be perfect. I'm just going to try my best. Or, you know, you can do this. You're strong. 
another way is to think about like, what are your fears about changing, about pushing through? So if your fear is like, well, I don't want to deprive myself the rest of my life, then come up with the mantra that says something like, this isn't about deprivation. This is about feeling the way I want to feel. This is important to me because, and then use that as your mantra. Remind yourself on those days that you need it, why you're doing this and why it's important. So, you know, our thoughts control everything else. So feeding our, feeding ourselves good thoughts, comforting thoughts um, has an impact everywhere through our bodies, our mind, our emotions, our health. So mantras are cool. One way that I've used that is to actually put them as a reminder in my phone so that I either visually see them, mm-hmm. that it's just sort of keep sowing the seed, or some people take them on the bathroom mirror, yes. or like you say, just have them have them so that if you are in a tough spot, mm-hmm. that you can call on that. So yes. yes, it's a really good example of how to change that negative thought pattern because it is, isn't it? For me, I find it fascinating that our self-talk would not be able to be published in a book because it would be so negative yeah. most of the time. Exactly. So I love the fact that you you're sort of turning that on its head and saying, you know, let's seed success. That's really what you're doing is seeding success. Yeah, yeah, being kind to yourself and sort of being your own coach, I suppose, it would be a, a way to say yeah. it as well. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and uh, Terry, what are your tips for living fabulously? I would say my biggest tip is to work on accepting yourself as you are. That doesn't mean there aren't things you want to improve or th- play, ways you want to grow, but loving yourself unconditionally. So accepting and inviting in all those parts of yourself that maybe aren't as pretty or shiny. Self-love is kind of the, the magic bullet. So that is... That's the biggest thing. And like I said, my journey to self-acceptance and self-love was a very long one, but life is very different once you get there. So, you know, be kind to yourself, say kind things to yourself, treat yourself well. Those things are really important. I think that's kind of the biggest one. Everything else kind of flows into that. (laughs) And before we wrap up, just tell me a little bit more about the, the path to joy. Yeah, it's the path of joy. Um, a path, sorry, path of joy. Oh, it's okay. So it is a blog. You can find it on my website at drtarimac.com. And it really covers all the topics from relationships. Currently, I'm writing a dating book. So there's a lot on there about conscious relationships and dating. Um, I write a lot about the universe. I write a lot about self-love and fear and how to move toward your joy. That every time we move toward our joy, doors open. Um, so there's a lot of different categories, but it's really just a place people can pop in and get some inspiration if they need it. Great. Thank you so much. And you can find Dr. Terry Mack, as she mentioned, her website is Dr. Terry Mack. It's, it's T-A-R-I-M-A-C-K.com. It will be in the show notes. So thank you so much, Terry, for being with me today. And I feel like we've actually given people permission that change is not about being it being hard, but it's about taking those small steps towards the desire of your heart. And that because we're human and fallible, that there is going to we're going to face obstacles. And yes, the universe may test us around certain areas, but that 
by coming back to ourselves and taking care of ourselves in that you know, positive sense of self-love and self-awareness, I guess, around recognizing that, gee, this is the role I play in my family and uh, choosing not to, so how do I navigate this? Sort of bringing to conscious awareness, mm -hmm. I think that's really key. So I loved also the way we spoke about the, the why do we self-sabotage because I think we just do it and we don't understand it so thank mm -hmm. you for lifting the veil on that for us sure and uh, so thank you for being with me today thank you so much thank you so much for listening and I would love to know what you enjoyed most about this episode you can connect with me on Facebook by searching for Living Fabulously with Bev or feel welcome to leave a message or comment on my website. You can get the links and any references from this episode in the show notes at my website, www.livingfabulously.com forward slash podcasts. Do you have a friend who you think deserves to live fabulously? Spread the love around by sharing the podcast with them right now. Until next time, be sure to live the fab life. The information shared here and in our programs and webinars should not be seen as medical advice and is not meant to take the place of seeing licensed health professionals.